Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Meres is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, a dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook, with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, and fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and man he is today. They chat about topics like the state of boxing and Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing like a champion. And, of course, Abner's American dream. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Blue Liar. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Adam. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg, joined by my co-host and our podcast producer, Alex Uplinger. He manages our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. We're running through the NFL Week 7 rotation on this Thursday evening as we record just before Week 7 gets underway with the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants. Alex, it's good to have you aboard. I hope your week six was as good as mine. I saw that. I, I also had a very productive week six. It was fun, uh, especially that 
Monday night doubleheader. That was a great turnout for me. I'm excited for another week and also got some Big Ten football this week, so that's yes, exciting we do. as well. Yeah, we got your Penn State Nittany Lions against the Indiana Hoosiers. That could be a sneaky good game. Yeah, I think that would be really good. I'm, I'm actually kind of nervous. I was I was looking at Indiana in that spot at home. Right, right. No, I, I agree with you, and I actually may find myself on Indiana at least getting the touchdown or six points I think they're getting in that one, so big college game day is at here in Minnesota for the Gophers and the Wolverines. Good to have the Big Ten back. I mean, there's no doubt that the Big Ten and the SEC rule college football, and now we have Big Ten football back this weekend. Uh, you know, one thing, too, that you mentioned there, uh, I know that we'd love to win every bet we make, but that's just not reality. I, I know for me, at least, and I'm pretty sure for you as well, it was a little bit of a, a struggle out of the gate in the NFL season, and we were both kind of taking our fair share of losses on the unders, the wins almost feel better when you go through the pain and suffering that we went through at different points the first five weeks. You'd agree, right? <laughs> yeah, I would agree. It was it was tough there for the unders. We were getting crushed thinking that that offenses might not be quick. Think it ends, so what, did well. it end up 10-4 and four unders last week? Something like that? It definitely made a huge comeback. I, I know I took both. Monday night games under, and I parlayed them with both uh, Chiefs and Cardinals. So that was a nice little four-teamer there. So let's see what we have in store now as we move into the NFL Week 7 rotation. A few teams on buys as we are uh, re- pretty much right into the buys now. They got started in Week 5, but now we had, I think, four teams on a buy last week, four teams on a buy this week. So a shorter rotation, but we'll see. Uh, if we could find uh, some plays that we like. And we're going to start in the AFC North uh, with a battle for Ohio, the second matchup of the year between the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. Cleveland winning but failing to cover. Sorry to bring that up again, Alex, in week two. Uh, Was that one of your hardest losses of the year? Uh, That definitely comes to mind. Those those backdoor covers really hurt. I think. What was it? Uh, I think it was Burrow to Boyd in the final minute to yeah, get it was, Natty through the backdoor. Yeah. yeah, under a minute. Those are always the worst ones you'll get. Oh, yeah, they're painful. And the thing is, it feels like at least you're. I know that you know the spread is a great equalizer, and you could be on either side of that. But gosh, it feels like you're always on the wrong end of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. When it happens, that backdoor always goes against you for sure. Nonetheless, we have the second meeting between these two in-state rivals, and we're seeing Cincinnati as a three-point home dog. Total of 50-and-a-half in this game. And when we get started looking at this game, obviously last week we saw Cleveland really get blown out of the catch-up bottle, Heinz Field, before the game even started. Uh, Baker Mayfield turned the ball over, the negative game script that you and I both kind of saw coming for Cleveland resulted in the Browns not being able to get back in the game. And we did see Cincinnati come out and get up 14 nothing on the Indianapolis Colts. And it certainly looks like that Joe Burrow offense uh, righted its wrongs from week five against Baltimore when they couldn't move the football at all. Uh, certainly a good performance offensively, but the defense made Phillip Rivers look like he was in his prime in San Diego with the Chargers again because uh, Rivers led the Colts back. Ultimately, the Colts win the game, but the Browns, Get, or I'm sorry, the Bengals get the cash covering the big nine-point number, which helped me as well. That was one of my favorite plays on Cincy with the points. But, so when we look at this game, 
Yes, we have a Cincinnati team that has been a very good bet against the spread. Uh, I believe 4-1-1 one, and one against the number this season. We talked about that week two backdoor cover that they had against Cleveland. Uh, they pushed in week one as three-point home dogs, losing by a field goal against the Chargers, uh, and have continued Besides that game against Baltimore in Week 5, the Bengals have continued to cover numbers. It's worth noting Joe Mixon has missed practice Wednesday and Thursday, so we're not sure if Cincinnati is going to have one of its better weapons offensively. I would lean to, to Cleveland here, excuse me, uh, because I do think that this is probably the spot where we see Baker Mayfield, uh, how, wherever he's at health-wise with those ribs, I do think this is probably the spot where we see him get in that more comfortable game script where he's asked to do less by Kevin Stefanski, and they're able to run the football even without Nick Chubb uh, and Kareem Hunt and maybe even a little Dearness Johnson get going, and that Cleveland offensive line, which is pretty good, is able to win the battle in the trenches against the, Cle- the Cincinnati defensive line. Cleveland plays with the lead most of the way. I would lean that way, but actually my better play on this game, which I probably will get to come Sunday, is going to be to go under the total uh, because I do think that uh, we saw, as you said, a late touchdown there from Cincinnati in week two uh, against Cleveland. And I do think that in a divisional game, AFC North, big in-state battle. We're going to talk about this a little later with Kansas City and Denver. But I think we could just see a pretty physical game here uh, that beats out both teams. Uh, and, you know, by the fourth quarter, it's still in the 20s. And so when you're seeing the game under 50 and a half, Seems like a nice investment for me, uh, but I would lean Cleveland, as I said, just for the game flow reasons. Uh, it seems like uh, they would be able to front run here uh, and play their game, but at the same time, some reservations off of last week, hard not to. So I'll probably pass this side. I do kind of like the under, though. How about you here? This feels like a perfect bounce-back spot for the Browns. We were really seeing them play quite well up until run into a Steelers defense that really stops everyone on the ground. So it's not surprising that Cleveland wasn't really able to move the ball. And Mayfield was visibly hurt out there and taking a ton of big shots. Bud Dupree right, don't you think that also, good. as you said, just kind of helps the under here if we think they're going to try and just kind of baby Mayfield a little bit here? Yeah, absolutely. I think under is – probably the play here that total feels high especially for a divisional game and yeah like you're saying Baker dealing with the rib injury which doesn't really heal all that quickly so I think they'll probably try to establish the run burn some clock keep Burrow off the field yeah I would I would look to the under as well so let's keep moving and go to another divisional battle in the NFC East where we already had one game played on Thursday night between two NFC East teams Philadelphia and New York Let's go to the nation's capital where we have the Washington football team hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, pretty much seeing pickums, maybe some ones on the side here. A total of 46 and a half. Uh, and we're, we're both going to agree on this. I'll start, and, and it's the Washington football team that I like. First off, Alex, I know it was a tough beat for you. I guess it had Ron Rivera kicked the extra point and the game did not tie 2020, you would have hit that over, correct? Yeah, I was. I was pretty livid about that. I mean, this is a coach that says they're they're benching Haskins to go for the division, and then you don't play for overtime in the division game. It was just it was mind boggling that he wouldn't tie the game and then go for the win. They had all the momentum coming back like that, and yeah, the total was forty three. I had the over, so if you're so you going would have been overtime, yeah, yeah twenty twenty. You think 
you're probably going to get a win, but push it worst. And and I had Washington on the money line, so that's oh. even worse. Yeah, that was. A but tough. Uh, you know, one thing that we always talk about is not to have any reservations and not hesitate to go back to the well with a team that burned you the week before. Uh, you know, I had Cincinnati in that gruesome game against Baltimore and then took them again last week against Indy, and they worked out for me. Uh, and, and this is, I think, the only way you can play this game is to take the Washington side, at least from a gambling handicapping perspective. Let's talk a little bit more about that two-point try from Ron Rivera. Yes, it might have hurt some Washington betters that had them on the money line or might have hurt the overbetters, but I think that sends a message loud and clear to his football team and I do think it kind of lines up with his decision to bench Dwayne Haskins, that he's playing to win these games. And, yeah, you could say whether or not that's the right decision. He could have won the game in overtime. But he's going to be aggressive. He's going to do everything he can to make statements to the rest of the division that they're here not just to kind of hang around in his first year, but they're trying to win a division. Ron Rivera was a coach of a Carolina Panther team in 2014 that won the NFC South at 7-8-1. So if there's anybody that knows about winning a bad division, it's him. And Ron Rivera, I remember listening to him in his exit press conference from Carolina talk about how much that team in 2014 and the resiliency to keep fighting and as the Panthers always say, keep pounding, that led to them being so confident going into 2015 where the Panthers went 15-1 and and went to the Super Bowl. So what I'm getting at here is this is a team that is not going to give up. This is a team that I think is going to play these division games like they are their Super Bowl. And going for two against the Giants indicates that they're going all out to try and win these games and put themselves in a chance maybe in five, six weeks when we get into December to try and win this division. And while they lost to the Giants, they do have a win from week one against the Eagles. And now they're at home against the Cowboys. Obviously, everyone from a gambling perspective, you look at the prices, Eagles and Cowboys still looked at as the two favorites in this division. The the Washington football team has a chance to lead this game with victories over both Philadelphia and Dallas. And I know they'll play both of them again, but I think this is... As I said, the Super Bowl for Washington, a a game that if they're at all serious about trying to salvage their season, which I think they are, they need this game. Uh, And conversely, you look at Dallas. I mean, what a mess last week on Monday Night Football. They boned my teaser. Uh, You know, Andy Dalton looks like a veteran guy that he is. Stuff coming out this week about their coaching staff and the players calling out the coaches. Not a team I want. I think that Ron Rivera has that locker room believing, even though they didn't get the result last week, I think he's got a lot of buy-in from his players. I love Washington here. I think they win this game. I think they do so by a touchdown. I'll take the Washington football team and pick them. Yeah, I'm going to be joining you on Washington. But is this not the most fun division in football? I, I love the <laughs> NFC. It's like I'm, I'm rooting for a, a five- or six-win divisional winner. Wouldn't that be just crazy to see. I wonder what the – I mean, I remember Seattle won the NFC West at seven wins. I wonder if anybody's ever won a division with less than that. I I would have to look. I can't imagine. Maybe back back in the day, old-time football, but in the when new there era. 16 games in the season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that. But yeah, I, I like Washington here. I love that pass rush against a battered offensive line. They're already without – Tyron Smith, Cam Irving, and Lyle Collins are all on the IR. And then Zach Martin just went down last week, and he's questionable with a concussion. So I see the the Washington team uh, 
really getting after the quarterback here. They they average 2.7 sacks per game, which ranks 10th in the NFL and the Cowboys. You know, I'm glad you bring this up because Dallas, for as much as we want to look at their weapons and talk about how talented they are, they aren't the team that they used to be in the trenches on the offensive line. And if you don't have a defense and you don't have an offensive line, and now we're not even sure if you have a quarterback, what good are the weapons on the outside? No, exactly. He he has no time to get get the ball to any of these weapons. On paper, they're an incredible offense, but if you have no time to get them the ball, can you really do anything? Dalton is horrible under pressure. His, his quarterback rating is 60 when he's pressured. And last week, the Cardinals, without – Chandler Jones, their best pass rusher, they still sacked Dalton three times. So I, I see this going to Washington, and I think they'll have a field day, kind of like what we saw in week one with Wentz getting sacked eight times. I think Dalton will be under pressure the entire game, and I like Washington to win. And at the end of the day, we talked about it. One last thing on this game, we talked about it before we hopped on. Just a real trappy line, right? I mean, you see the Dallas – This is. I think this is the exact reason – why the Dallas Cowboys are 0-6 against the spread. Because you see lines like this, and it's just like, how can you not take Dallas, right? We talked about the you know, the big names that they have on offense, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott. And then you look at Washington, and yeah, you got some guys on the defensive line that can wreak havoc. But it's obviously an offense that you don't associate with high-scoring games. And I just think... You watch Dallas, you know, America's team going to the inept Washington football team and sitting there at Pickham. I think they are begging you to take Dallas. Right. Uh, they, they're just begging us to bet the Cowboys here, right? Yeah. When and, you, do you think if Dallas wins that game last week, it's probably closer to a field goal? I just, a Pickham just. And I, I want to say this number got bet down from around a field goal when it opened. Uh, so I would agree absolutely if Dallas wins the game. I think we're seeing at least minus three for Dallas here on the road. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a great spot for Washington at home. Let's take the short trip up I-95 from the nation's capital up to the MetLife Stadium and uh, North Jersey where the New York Jets will host the Buffalo Bills in an AFC East affair. Uh, and we're seeing the uh, Buffalo Bills uh, a – hefty underdog in this game, or I'm sorry, hefty favorite in this game, uh, giving 13 points. Uh, and gosh, you know, Alex, it just seems like this is one of those spots where uh, friends don't let friends bet the Jets, right? I mean, I don't know that I want to give two <laughs> touchdowns with the way Buffalo has looked, uh, so I'll probably stay away from this game and not even pay much attention to it. Uh, and I don't have much else to say other than, you know, hey, Maybe it's a get-right spot. Buffalo has lost to Kansas City and Tennessee the last two weeks. If you want to play the angle of, well, they're going to come out, all their demons out on the Jets and beat them by three touchdowns and cover, I'd hear you on that. Uh, but at the same time, it obviously is a Buffalo team that has uh, shown a few blemishes the last few weeks. And um, I guess let's just talk briefly, because I don't know how much interest you have in this game. Let's just talk a little bit about the Bills. Like, do we... Are we still putting them in that elite, you know, Super Bowl contender tier, or did these last couple weeks bump them down to like good but not great? I think they're falling in the good, not great category. We saw some struggles for Al in the past two weeks. He really against the Titans. They had no chance when they turned the ball over and giving Titans a short field. 
but I'm curious to see if Darnold's going to play. That makes me a little hesitant to back the Bills. If it was Flacco, I, I would put yeah everything on the Bills and maybe a Jets team total under. But with Darnold, yeah, we, I think we, we talked a, about that last week. I didn't get there with it, but obviously, Jets team total under would have been an easy winner last week. Uh, no, yeah, they're they're kicking field goals down like twenty points. What what are you doing? But I think Darnold's a significant upgrade over Flacco. Um, I can't get there, but double digit away favorites are sixteen two and one against the spread, so that leans towards the Bills. I think if I had to play anything here, it probably would be the under. I just don't think the Jets can put up enough points to help that go over. Well, right. I mean, you know, you're seeing, uh, you know, totals for Jets games. Anytime you see totals sitting in the mid-40s like this, you know, last week, I think you always have to entertain the possibility of a Buffalo team doing kind of what Miami did, where they get out early and then, gosh, I mean, with Buffalo or Miami and the Jets and Tampa and Green Bay, that was a tough, tough late afternoon window with two blowouts and, you know, the Dolphins just kind of packed it in there. And, and so it ended up being an easy under in that game. And I think anytime you have Jets games, uh, that's something that you probably have to consider uh, with, you know, especially a team like Buffalo that obviously has its sights set on uh, larger things than just the New York Jets. Uh, you know, something like 24-7, you know, in that neighborhood would not surprise me at all. Skip, skipped over a few games, though, in the rotation. 4-5-7, the Detroit Lions make the trip south to Hotlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Detroit, a two-and-a-half-point road underdog, a total of 55 in this game, one of the highest totals on the board. Not a huge surprise. Falcons games kind of follow the same script where it's a defense that really can't stop anybody and an offense that does have kickers. We did see Atlanta go to Minnesota last week and blow out the blow out the Vikings. That was one of my winners on the Falcons plus the points. But I'm going to look to the underdog, the road underdog in this Falcons game as well, which means I'm going to fade Atlanta and take the Detroit Lions. I actually like them on the money line here. Normally I'll take the points, but I don't think you're going to need them. And I'll take the plus price at plus 115 to take the Detroit Lions. Because here's what you got to ask yourself. Both of these teams all victories last week. Both of these teams under 500. Detroit goes to Jacksonville and beats up on the Jags. Minnesota goes, I'm sorry, Atlanta goes to Minnesota and beats up on the Vikings. Which of those results do we think is more indicative of the team going forward? And I'm going to go back to some of my preseason love for the Lions. And not that I'm obviously all the way back after just the fact that they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I do think we saw a Lions team that wasn't messing around out of their bye week. They got ahead in that game. Their defense actually played better. I know it was Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville offense. But I do think that this is a Detroit team that is going to start to win some games against inferior competition. Let's not forget, prior to Detroit's bye, they had to play the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints, and they actually did win at at Arizona. But some of their harder opponents before the bye, schedule lightning up for Detroit. And again, it's obviously a coach and a GM in Detroit that are on the hot seat, whereas Atlanta, their coach is already fired, their GM is already fired, and yes, I played that angle to my advan- to our advantage last week here on the pod, giving out Atlanta, but I do think you're going to see an Atlanta team kind of go back to what we saw the first five weeks of the season, which is a team that just can't stop anybody and an offense that, you know, comes and goes. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I think Detroit is – I do think that game, albeit Jacksonville, can be a little bit of a, a positive momentum builder for the Lions. Detroit wins this game outright. Anything here, Alex? 
No, nothing official for me. I, I think Atlanta might be getting right. I don't know, just losing uh, their coach. Maybe just inspired them past weeks, but they look good. Their offense is great, as we know, but the defense is just always a concern. I couldn't play anything here. I, I probably would lean Atlanta just being at home, but no, nah, nothing official for me. So let's keep things moving and go uh, elsewhere in the NFC South. Very interesting divisional matchup here with the Carolina Panthers traveling to New Orleans to take on the New Orleans Saints. A little bit of a revenge game of sorts, you could say, for Teddy Bridgewater. The cover machine uh, did not cover last week as a short favorite against the Chicago Bears. The Bears win that game by a touchdown. Uh, But just some notes on Teddy Bridgewater that I saw this week. I think it was Todd Furman that put these numbers out on Twitter. He's obviously been the cover king in his career. 30-10 against the spread in this particular spot as a road underdog. 14-2 against the spread. Following a straight-up loss, 13-3 against the spread. All this guy does is cover 84%, 16-3 just on the road, 18-4, 82% as an underdog blindly. This is the exact spot that Teddy Bridgewater has made everybody money in, and it's very simple, I think, as to why that's the case. He's a mistake-free quarterback for the most part that is just going to make the safe play and not gift any points to the opponent, and that normally lends itself to closer games. Therefore, the team can cover the big number. Having said all of that, I'm not running to the window back in Carolina here because we do have a New Orleans team off of a bye week. Granted, Michael Thomas is up in the air again. It looks like he had a setback with his hamstring and might not play all of a sudden. Uh, But you do have a New Orleans team off of a bye that really didn't look good, even though they got the win. They did not cover when we last saw them against the L.A. Chargers. And that's kind of been the story of the New Orleans season. They're 3-2. and I mentioned that win against the Chargers. They have a win against Detroit in which they almost let Detroit come back from a big deficit. Their best performance was all the way back in week week one when they did pretty well against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm not quite sure where the Saints are at. Their defense has not looked very good. Green Bay really did a number on them. I don't know that I want either side here. Uh, you know, And then as far as the total, you know, we're seeing 51. I do think that's a little high, uh, but given the Saints defense – not looking great, you know, I don't know that I can run to the window with the under either. I'm going to stay away from this game. Alex, how do you see this? This Michael Thomas situation is just bizarre. So he's injured, but then he's set to play, and then he punches a teammate, and now he's injured again? I, I, just, I can't figure out what's going on with that. I feel like this line is a little high. I would probably lean towards Carolina with the points, like you are saying, Bridgewater just always seems to be competitive and stay in games. But also the Saints are getting a little healthier on defense. Uh, but ultimately I'm going to stay Davenport should be 100%. Yeah, so they, they look to be getting right on defense, which makes me a little hesitant to take the points because we know when the Saints are clicking, they're the best team in the NFC South. But 
I just can't get there. This feels a little too high. I guess that's my concern. Like, historically, the Saints have been a really good bet in October and a bad bet in September. And for whatever reason, they just haven't gotten off to the best of starts. So I guess you could argue, well, they're 3-2 and two and they haven't looked good. Now they're out of the bye. They're about to pick it up. But, you know, 3-2 and two is not, in the NFL, by those standards, you know, that's not a small sampling. That's almost a third of your games. And so I have a bad... I just don't have much of a read on New Orleans. Like, are they going to turn it around, or is this just the team we're going to see, and they're going to limp to nine, ten wins and maybe make the playoffs, but they're not really a legit contender? I don't really know. Yeah, Drew Brees just hasn't looked all that sharp throughout the season, so I'd be hesitant to back them as well. Let's wrap things up uh, in, for the first half of our pod with the Green Bay Packers traveling south to take on the Houston Texans. And we're seeing Houston uh, as a a three-and-a-half-point home dog. This is the highest total on the board at 57. And obviously, I think that is pretty well-documented, warranted, I should say. We saw that the Houston defense uh, allowed Tennessee to come back last week. Titans end up winning 42-36 in overtime. Uh, even the Minnesota offense was able to have a lot of success against Houston defensively. So the Houston defense has had a lot of struggles, and now it's hard to think that Aaron Rodgers and company are just what the doctor ordered for Houston on that side of the football. And you're getting a mad Packers team, you would think, off of that loss. Um, You know, I know this is something that Colin Coward loves to talk about in his Blazing Five, bet on teams. Uh, you know, good, well-structured organizations the week after they get embarrassed. That would be the Packers this week after they got embarrassed down in Tampa. It does feel a little trappy to me, though. Uh, At three, three and a half, you know, that's a short number. I thought this would come more five, six, because you're talking about a Houston team that now is just, you would think, completely deflated and decimated after losing that game in overtime to Tennessee. Um going to one and five I mean there's nothing really for the Texans to at all you know salvage at this point you know maybe you could have argued if they're two and four and they got wins in the AFC South against Houston against Tennessee and against Jacksonville then they're not dead but I mean they're dead now for sure at one and five and I don't see how this this number feels like way too good to be true at three and a half so I think I'm going to stay away, uh, but I know you've been a pretty big Packers guy, and, and you're probably going to slam that get-right spot here. Yeah, this feels like the perfect bounce-back spot. I got the Packers at minus three earlier in the week. The Texans just they can't get after the quarterback. They have the fifth lowest pressure rate in the NFL at 16.7%. In comparison, the Bucks are fourth in pressure rate, and they really – seemed to get after Rodgers and had him rattled after those two picks. But I think this is a good spot to bounce back, especially against a bad defense. The Texans allow 6.1 yards per play, which is 27th in the NFL, and they only have four turnovers on the season. And before last week, the Packers had zero turnovers. So I think this is a great spot for Rodgers and company to get get right. Rodgers off a – ATS loss is 40-21-1 against the spread. So I think, they, uh, I think they'll look good. I think the offense will carry them and that they'll, they'll win and cover here. Let's take a break. We'll come back and run through the rest of the NFL Week 7 rotation 
after this brief commercial break. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means you get more quality candidates that will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. I'm certainly excited to watch Sunday Night Football this week between the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals, and I'll certainly do so with a Pepsi in hand. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank, you can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter, at Undercover Greg, joined by our co-host and producer, Alex Uplinger. You can find him managing our podcast Twitter, at full underscore slate underscore pod. Let's get back into the Week 7 rotation as we run through every game on the board and give some leans on the sides and totals. Uh, and let's keep things moving now uh, with the marquee game, really, of the week. It's unfortunate this is in the early window. One last game in the early afternoon window before we move to the late window, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers visiting the, Nash- the Tennessee Titans excuse me, in Nashville. And we're seeing this game pretty much sit around Pickham, uh, minus one, minus twos on the, on the Titans at some books, total of 51. Uh, and Alex, when we look at this game, my initial lean was going to be to Pittsburgh, just on the fact that we have seen Tennessee really not look great at all defensively, despite the fact that they're 5-0. and I mentioned that Houston-Tennessee game where Houston still put up 36 points last week against the Titans. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings were able to score 30 points against the Titans. Um, you know, and so I think from that end, we've seen the Titans uh, defense look suspect at times over the course of the regular season thus far. And we've also seen the Titans win a lot of close games. Remember before that Buffalo game, they were winning close games and not covering. They started three and zero straight up 
and 0-3 against the spread. So having said that, uh, I do think that there is some regression bound for the Tennessee Titans where we've seen the Steelers last week against the Cleveland Browns take care of business easily. They covered on opening night against on the Monday night game against the New York Giants, covered against the Eagles. Just feels like the Steelers have taken care of business a little easier, which is why I lean that way. Um, but their defense is certainly going to be in for its tallest order of business against Derrick Henry and the Tennessee run game. A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill have been making sweet music through the pass game as well. You add it all up, you have some key injuries in this game. Left tackle Taylor Lewan is now out for the year for Tennessee, uh, and we're seeing Devin Bush also out for the year, the key linebacker for Pittsburgh. Kind of want to get a feel for how both of those teams look and those units, Tennessee's offense and the Pittsburgh's defense without those guys. I'll stay away here, but as I said, I lean Pittsburgh. This is a great matchup. This is just a classic strength on strength. You have a great rush defense against a great rush offense, but I think the biggest mismatch here is the Titans' defense. It's one of the worst in the league. They give up 5.1 yards per rush, which is 30th in the NFL, and they give up 7 yards per pass, which is 27th. Like you mentioned, Terry Luan is out for the season. On the year, he had given up zero sacks and committed zero penalties. I think that's a huge loss against a very aggressive Pittsburgh pass rush. They averaged 4.8 sacks through five games, and they actually lead the NFL despite playing one less game. They have 24 sacks on the season. I think Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt are going to really get to the quarterback here and rattle Tannehill. I'm worried about Derrick Henry. I mean, he's an incredible player, but Pittsburgh hasn't given up a 100-yard rusher yet this season, and they only give up 66.2 rushing yards per game. I think between that and the Steelers passing game, I think they can exploit this Tennessee defense, and I think ultimately they'll uh, they'll win outright, and and, uh, we're going to cash the ticket. Yeah, uh, you know, as I said, I definitely lean towards the Steelers. I I mean, obviously, neither one of these teams is going 16-0, but uh, I do think Tennessee, if you had to ask me which team is a little more phony right now, I would probably say Tennessee. But, uh, you know, very legit here, I think, Two Super Bowl contenders, right? I mean, you've seen enough there? Yeah, this could be an early AFC Championship preview. I really like what I've seen from both. Just that Tennessee defense doesn't quite stack up. I don't know if that can lead them to to the Super Bowl. So let's go out to the West Coast games now, or the late afternoon kicks. There is one game on the East Coast that starts later as well. Uh, And let's start with a game that was originally scheduled for Sunday Night Football. We'll run through this a lot quicker because we don't know uh, really where the numbers are going to land. And that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting Las Vegas Raiders. Of course, the Raiders dealing with some COVID stuff. This game could get moved off of Sunday at uh, 4.05 Eastern is when it's supposed to kick right now. Uh, Offensive line COVID-related issues for Vegas. But I will say, if this game goes off, we're seeing the Raiders, at least before the game came off the board, we were seeing threes, fours for uh, the Bucks as the road chalk. And I think if you can – I took three um, before the COVID news and then started to see three and a half fours, and then the game came off the board. I think if you can get if, – if you get a thumbs up that enough of the Raiders' offensive line is going to be out there, um, and it sounds like there's some high-risk – 
contact tracing going on and it not, not isn't necessarily positive tests on the Raiders offensive line. So if you know that you're going to get enough of the regulars out there on the offensive line for the Raiders, I actually think this is a very interesting spot on the home dog because we have the Raiders coming off of a bye. And let's remember, they last won two weeks ago at Kansas City and still not really getting respected here as home underdogs. They have a victory at home over New Orleans. Uh, I, I think the Raiders could be out to prove that, hey, you know, we're legit and you better start respecting us. And this is a great spot for them to do that in. Uh, I would look to the Raiders here. John Gruden, a little bit of a revenge spot here. First time coaching against the Bucks since he got fired. And a little bit of a sell high, too, on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after that victory. No team's as good or as bad as they look any given week. So I definitely lean to the Vegas Raiders getting the points. Nothing official for me here, but I like I like the points you made. I just really like what I saw from Tampa's defense. So that would make me worried. But cars looked really good on the season. So nothing official, but I kind of I see your point on the Raiders. Uh, so we're going to, as I said, move quickly through that. Again, keep an eye on that number and where it lands. But, again, if you're getting more than three, I like the Raiders a lot to make a big statement whenever this game is played. Uh, let's go to the Northeast for one final game on the East Coast uh, where we have the New England Patriots uh, giving two against the San Francisco 49ers. A little bit of a Jimmy Garoppolo revenge, possibly, going back to New England as the visiting quarterback. Uh, and, you know, obviously money is coming on San Francisco. I think we were talking before we hopped on. This game opened four and a half, five uh, for New England. I certainly agree with the move going through the key number. Obviously a little bit of a different handicap when you start getting closer to pick them. Total of just 43 and a half, and obviously this is two offenses that don't feature a ton of playmakers, and I would not be surprised at all. I would not play George Kittle in many DFS lineups because if there's one thing we know about Bill Belichick, he takes away your best weapons. I would not be surprised at all if Stephon Gilmore uh, was strapped on George Kittle quite a bit this, on this late afternoon game. I'm very intrigued to see how this game goes. I would lean to New England because, speaking about good teams, structured teams that get embarrassed, they didn't get blown out, but they lost his nine-and-a-half-point chalk at home to Denver last week. I just think this is a spot where New England kind of says, hey, you know, we're still New England. We're not going anywhere. They had some COVID stuff for themselves that kind of disrupted their schedule the last couple weeks. Sounds like things are pretty normal there uh, for Bill Belichick and company. So now when we look at the Patriots getting ready for a San Fran team that I think people are kind of maybe riding the high of that primetime victory Sunday night football against the Rams. I would lean to New England, but certainly not a strong play because obviously you got to be a little bit concerned about that Patriots offense. I also lean the Patriots here. I think a full week of prep from Belichick will really, really have them right. Their defense is going to show up, so that's not a worry. And I don't quite trust Garoppolo in this San Francisco offense, especially with Jimmy G still dealing with an ankle injury. You saw how taped up his leg was last week. So nothing official, but I lean the Patriots as well. Keep things moving and go back to the West. Well, not necessarily the West Coast, but uh, the AFC West division, Mountain Time Zone. The Denver Broncos hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Denver is a 10-point home dog. So that road win against the New England Patriots is 9.5-point chalk. Certainly not impressing the odds makers, I guess. Or maybe it's just 
Kansas City having covered a lot of numbers and, and needing to kind of inflate those Chiefs point spreads. Total of 46 in this game. It looks like Denver's going to get Noah Fant and Melvin Gordon back. Obviously, when you play Kansas City, as much as you want to try and play ball control and keep Mahomes on the sideline, you got to score some points. There's no doubt about that. So it helps Denver that they're going to get some guys back. Drew Locke maybe a little more comfortable now in his second week back from the AC joint injury. Um, you know, having said that, though, and, and we do have Kansas City on a short week, having played on Monday. Uh, this is a Denver team that I bet over seven and a half wins, so I'll certainly take that win last week in New England. They're back to two and three. I'd like to see them try and pulse their season a little bit, uh, but I certainly am not going to make a case for them here. Uh, Kansas City has been rolling. Uh, they've been money against the spread as individual games the last four or five years, kind of just statements being made uh, to the rest of the AFC West about who the big dog is. Would not be surprised if uh, that would continue here. Uh, so I think kind of a tricky game to pick against the number because it's such a big number. Uh, so I'll stay away. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I think an interesting game to watch because I do think Denver with the weapons back on offense could uh, maybe put up a fight here. Uh, but I don't want to get there with Denver plus the 10. So I will uh, stay away here. The spread feels a little high, especially in the divisional game, so I can't quite get there. I'm more leaning to the under. I think it's a good spot in divisional games. Maybe they'll try to establish Gordon on the ground and keep Mahomes off the field as much as possible. And divisional away favorites of eight or more, which would be the Chiefs, they're 37-1 and one to the under. So I think that just speaks to divisional teams knowing each other a lot better and playing more competitive games. I think I would lean to the under, if anything. Yeah, I, I you know, I think that goes back to what we talked a little bit about with Cincinnati and Cleveland, where we're kind of expecting a little bit of a bloodbath, uh, two teams that obviously don't like each other, and normally extra physicality can lead to some more intensity on defense, uh, which can lead to fewer big plays. You know, you got to hopefully – Nobody gets carried away with the defensive unsportsmanlikes or late hits that gift them yards. But for the most part, uh, I do think the I do like the angle of you know intense physical bloodbaths on individual games lending themselves to unders. Let's keep things moving and go out to Los Angeles where we have the Chargers coming off of a bye week hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars as seven and a half point chalk. Total of forty nine in this game. And you know when we look at the Chargers. I mean, yes, they impressed on Monday Night Football, and they got the victory against, or I'm sorry, they got the cover against the New Orleans Saints, and Drew Brees, uh, you know, and, and Justin Herbert went toe-to-toe, I should say, with Drew Brees. But then, this is where I really have to draw the line in the sand and say, let's hold the phone here. This is still a Chargers team that has only won one game, straight up. And if you don't have a good straight-up record, how can I back you as greater than touchdown chalk? I mean, that that just feels crazy to me. And, yes, it's a Jacksonville team that's been bad of late. Laid an egg against Detroit last week in Cincinnati. You know, they've been some – they've looked a lot more like the Jacksonville team that was tanking for Trevor Lawrence or that the narrative was that they're tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Having said that, this is a Jacksonville team that covered big numbers – in the first two weeks of the season against Indy 
and against Tennessee and one outright against Indy. I think that's more of the performance we're going to get here. I think it's going to be a Jacksonville offense that's going to be able to score some points here. I think this game, even though it's not the Saints and the Chargers in prime time and garner a lot of interest in the late window because some of these other matchups are a little more juicy, especially if the Tampa-Vegas game gets played in the late afternoon on Sunday. But I think this game is going to be very similar to Tennessee to uh, Jacksonville and New Orleans, where or sorry, to the Chargers in New Orleans, where we see the quarterbacks kind of go back and forth, offenses make some plays, and it lands by a field goal in either direction. Numbers way too high. As I said, who are the Chargers to be seven and a half, eight? I took eight back on Monday. I think the only way this number can go is down. This is my favorite play of the week, Jacksonville, plus the points on the road. Yeah, this feels a bit too high. I, I don't quite trust the Chargers defense as well. I think this could be a shootout. I like your play here. Nothing official for me, but I would lean that way as well. This is just too many points to give the Chargers. No team is as bad as their last week and as good as their last week. The, the Jags aren't that bad of a team to be getting over a touchdown to a rookie quarterback like this. So... When we think about this division, I mean, don't you kind of agree that, I mean, maybe you could say Denver, but I think the Chargers are still the worst team in this division. Like, it just feels crazy to me that they're going to give seven and a half. Yeah, I think they're one of the worst teams in this division. Worst worst coach, I would say, as well, in Anthony Lynn. I, I just don't trust that defense, especially with the losses they have, the injuries. I, I can't get there with them. Uh, so let's wrap things up on the Sunday slate with the Sunday night football game, uh, and that being the Arizona Cardinals hosting the Seattle Seahawks. We're seeing Seattle give three and a half as three and a half three uh, as road chalk. Total of fifty six in this game. You know, Alex, if I had to play this game, and I still might, especially now that it's a Sunday night game, I still might get there. I definitely lean Seattle on this side and it just feels maybe a little square with you know the Hawks out of the bye and and Russell Wilson uh and and the weapons for Seattle after they just kind of survived two weeks ago against Minnesota and now they come out of the bye you would think they're going to play a more complete game and not just kind of wake up until the third quarter like they did in that Sunday night game against Minnesota and I think the spot is bad here for Arizona they played three straight road games at Carolina, at Jets, and then at Dallas. The last of those three was on Monday Night Football. So now they're coming back home on a short week against the Seattle team off a bye. I can only look to Seattle, but I know you're – you like Kyler Murray. We're starting to see that team show up again. I mean, I know that they laid an egg in Carolina, but they did what they were supposed to do against the Jets, and they kicked the snot out of the Cowboys – Starting to think they might be pretty legit. So this is going to be one of those where I, I don't feel great about it, but I, I do think I still lean to Seattle uh, as the short road favorite uh, in the divisional game. Yeah, I lean that way as well. I think ultimately I'll I'll get there and play the Seahawks minus three. I just think Russ in prime time is too much for this defense. Right. And Hopkins – didn't practice today with an ankle injury. That might be more so just precautionary off the short week. But like you said, short week, 
and then Seattle off the bye. Also, Chandler Jones for the Cardinals is out for the year. That's their best pass rusher. If they can't get to Wilson, he's going to just pick them apart. They have way too many weapons on offense. So I I think I'll probably get there with Seattle. Let's wrap things up with another primetime game. Monday Night Football, the Los Angeles Rams hosting the Chicago Bears. We're seeing the Rams. Uh, Six-point chalk at home, total of 45 in this game. Alex, we talked a little bit about it before we hopped on. The Bears are 5-1, and one, and they are a six-point underdog. They win last week in a very Bearsian way, where they kind of just keep the game low-scoring. It wasn't pretty, much like it wasn't pretty against Tampa. It wasn't pretty against Carolina. But I think those are the kinds of games the Bears are going to win. 20-19 against Tampa. 23-16 against Carolina. Uh, so, are we starting to buy the Bears at all, or we still think this is a fraudulent team? I think this is the most fraudulent five and one team we've ever seen. I <laughs> I don't trust them at all. Even though I've I've been betting them in certain spots, I took them against the Bucks, but I just I just don't see them getting there this week. This feels like the perfect spot on the Rams coming off a blowout and then being at home. And this line just feels feels kind of trappy. I feel like they're begging me to take Chicago with the points. So, well, right. I, You're getting a five and one team, getting almost a touchdown. But again, as we've discussed, I don't think it's a Chicago team that really warrants, uh, you know, being respected as a legit contender. Even though they are five and one, if Jared Goff and the weapons that he has there with the Rams can look like they did against, say, the Eagles in Week Two, like you start getting into higher scoring games with the Bears, the Bears aren't going to be able to keep up. Now, the question is, this is a offense for the Rams that has been kind of spotty in the games against the NFC East, namely against the Eagles and the Washington football team, the offense looked good, but against the Giants, you know, that game was close and they were not really moving the ball much offensively. They got a big play from Cooper Cup in that game. And last week against San Francisco, again, the offense did not look great. So if that's the offense that shows up, then this is going to be a close game and the Bears will probably cover. But I'm inclined to think that sooner or later, we are going to see the Bears start to look like the Bears everybody thought they were, and it probably is going to be on Monday night. We talk a lot about, you know, the no team looks as, you know, is as good or as bad as it looks on any given night. I had San Francisco last week, so I'm not complaining, but the Rams certainly did not look good at all last Sunday. It's a primetime game, too, so everybody's kind of seeing that, and then seeing the 5-1 and one Bears getting six points, I agree with you. It kind of is asking you to take Chicago with those points, I can't get there either. I'm probably going to lay with the Rams. Also think, and I, I haven't given out a teaser this week, but I do think the Rams getting them down to pick them is probably a good teaser leg. Yeah, it just feels like Chicago has laid an egg almost every single game, and they still find a way to win. It's unbelievable that they're 5-1. <laughs> and one. I, I think if the Rams can get right on offense at – they could potentially blow them out. I, I could see this being a double-digit win for the Rams. I think I'll probably get there. I mean, you got to play it. It's a primetime game, so obviously we're going to have something. But, yeah, I think I'll probably lay it with the Rams come game time. That'll do it for us here on Full Slate as we run through the entire rotation. Now it's always fun. Hey, if, if our Week 7 can be, like, what, two-thirds, 75% as good as Week 6, I think we'll be happy, right? Absolutely. I think we'll be in a great spot. 
Alex, always fun. We'll be talking. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. Let's check in with our sponsor, Bet Online, to wrap things up. The wait is finally over, and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you options, more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. And that will do it for full slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Again, follow me on Twitter at Undercover Greg for all of my gambling picks. And check out Alex running our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Everyone, enjoy your weekend. And of course, please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.